August 13th, 2020. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. In a bizarre tweet, Donald Trump congratulated recent Georgia GOP congressional primary winner Marjorie Taylor Greene, an outspoken anti-Semite, Islamophobe, and follower of the conspiracy group QAnon, calling her a real winner. This only proves that they didn't ask Trump the definition of winner on that cognitive test. This morning, Trump claimed to have brought peace to the Middle East by saying that Israel and the United Arab Emirates are about to sign a peace treaty. I guess if his poll numbers continue to drop any further, we can expect to see a black guy and a white guy in the White House shaking hands so that Trump can claim he fixed race relations too. Trump wants to change the definition of showerhead because he isn't getting wet enough. Maybe if we change the definition of COVID-19, he'll do something about that too. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis compared kids in his state going back for in-person classes to the Navy SEAL raid that killed Osama bin Laden. DeSantis didn't clarify whether he saw the kids as the SEALs or as bin Laden, but based on his handling of the virus, it's probably the latter. Speaking about poor decisions involving children, a Georgia school district ordered over 1,100 students and faculty to quarantine one week into students attending in-person classes. At this rate, the kids are never going to learn a synonym for the phrase, too soon. Herman Cain's Twitter account tweeted out an anti-Biden video yesterday, three weeks after he died. And all this time, Republicans were worried about dead people getting ballots. AMC Theaters announced that they will be reopening at the end of the month with special 1920s movie pricing. This will go well with the disease you can get like it's 1918. Michael Jordan's 1996 Mercedes-Benz S600 is expected to fetch $100,000 at auction. While it can't help you drive to the basket and dunk like Mike, you can drive to Dunkin' Donuts. Tinder reportedly charges straight white men over 50 as much as five times more than any other group for their Tinder Plus service. In fact, the only thing that costs more is the reality check when they realize after months of paying for Tinder Plus that women half their age have no interest in them at all. Fisher Price just released the My Home Office toy set for kids who want to imitate their parents as they work from home. This will go perfectly with that pantsless Zoom kin set. Now, let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily Cast and Crew Roundtable. Stay safe. Happy International Left-Handers Day, even though I'm, I'm right-handed. If you're left-handed, it's your day today. Meg. Hi, guys. I am. So it is my day. Emma. Hey, everyone. I'm right-handed, but it kind of feels appropriate that left-handers only get one day. Uh, Stuart. 
Uh, yeah. Hey, I'm Stuart. Uh, I also want to confess that I am Q. I, Stuart Orloff, am mythical Q. And, and Chris. <laughs> and Chris. Oh, uh, sorry. He threw me off. What? Uh, hey, hey, everybody. <laughs> <What's going on? laughs> okay, so later on in the show, we're going to be joined by a very special guest, Hermine Hartman. She's one of the few African-American women in publishing, so we're very happy to have her on today. Okay, so let's get started. We have a lot to talk about today. In our history, the U.S. had its fair share of conspiracy theories, from who shot Area 51 to who shot JFK. In October 2017, someone who identified themselves as Q Clarence Patriot posted on the French forum 4chan for the first time, claiming it to be the, quote, calm before the storm. Since then, Q has amassed thousands of rabid and potentially unstable followers, culminating in a primary win this week for Marjorie Taylor Greene, an anti-Semite Islamophobe and avowed supporter of QAnon. We thought tonight might be a good time to talk about Q and its secret influence on our country. Firstly, how many of you have heard about Q or QAnon before now, before today? Okay, so for those yeah. listening, almost the majority of the panel. Can you guys tell me what you heard about it? Um, because there are literally hundreds of claims about this. Anybody want to start? Stuart? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard that it's, it's uh, <clears throat> in essence, a deep state conspiracy that there's some um, either international or national uh, group of people who are actually controlling all of the behind the scenes strings, similar to the uh, Zog conspiracy theories. Um, and it's, it's resulted in some people like actually taking action um, based on these crazy conspiracy theories that have put people in, in some serious danger. Okay, anybody else? Pete? Well, I, I mean, QAnon actually, uh, it comes from the, the, the name first, Q, uh, Q Clearance Patriot. It comes from a, uh, a special clearance that members of the Department of Energy get if they have top secret clearance. So if you have top secret clearance, you're called, a, it says you have Q clearance. Um, so it's kind of like, um, like Department of Defense is top secret but with the Department of Energy. And so uh, the people that claim to follow Q, who are the QAnon people, the Anon part being anonymous, um, they claim that Q is some kind of uh, higher up member of the, uh, the government, possibly a part of the uh, Department of Energy, because that makes sense, um, who is working on, on trying to, uh, to, to root out the deep state, which, which is what Stewart said. Mm, okay. So from what we can tell, although Q first appeared on October 27, 2017, its beginnings might stretch back to a year earlier when a Twitter account that posted mostly white supremacist material claimed that there was a pedophile sex ring run by senior members of the Democratic Party at Wa in Washington, D.C. area pizza restaurant. This was came to be known as Pizzagate. What do you guys know about Pizzagate? Um, Joe, and then I'll go to Chris. Go so, ahead, so apparently there, there was, this is what was claimed, that there was a pedophile ring. It involved, of course, it involved the Clintons because we have to, remember we're talking about the left, we have to talk about the Clintons. Um, and it was taking place in the basement of a pizza parlor in Virginia. 
um, that they were going down to this basement and having sex with children. Um, even though this pizza parlor does not have a basement <laughs> when they found out later and it's completely ruined these poor people's business. I don't even know why they picked this pizza parlor, but, uh, I mean, it's been debunked many times, but yet people, it still keeps coming back mm-hmm. and it still seems to be a thing. Chris, do you want to add to that? Yeah. So there's a little, uh, am I, no, I'm not. okay. So there's a little like, uh, so he's right about that. It doesn't involve the Clintons. It involves a lot of people in politics. Uh, a lot of it came from emails that were exchanged. Uh, they were uh, a lot of times they were referring to things and code as in pizza and hot dog, and a lot of people believe that those code names were references to like little boys being the hot dogs, little girls being pizza. And there's also a lot of conspiracy theory because the symbol. Uh, the slice of pizza that's on the restaurant in the in the uh, on the signage of the restaurant is actually like similar to a uh, old um, kind of symbol for pedophilia for like from like I can't remember what era or period it's from. There was symbols for pedophilia. Yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's, there's say, a bunch of symbols like, for it. There's a bunch of symbols. Like, imagine being, yeah. imagine being the graphic artist for pedophilia. Yeah. Guys, guys, we really need something to help market this. Listen, hey, well, here's the thing. But you got to remember, but you got to remember, this wasn't against the law back in the day. This was like the regular norm. People, right. mm-hmm. back in what day? What the, wait a minute, is there a regular which norm? Day is for, which, if it was the regular norm, they would have a symbol for like. About. It was before <laughs> any of us were born. Hey, that's when I was born. This was before any of us were born. This was like I'm talking like hundreds of years ago this was like mm-hmm. the norm i mean think about it what do you think marriage was these are it was norm, why did it be it's like well, you know guys hang on but did they have pizza here. back then no it wasn't pizza no it's not the pizza get out of the pizza the, the way that the pizza was shaped it was just was a triangle with a little turn Yes, thank you. Is there a triangle yeah. with a little symbol, like a, a swirl symbol in the middle well, of it? Wait a minute. That's what they. A that's what, like a slice, symbol. Wait a minute. Pizza slices. No, it's not the pizza triangle. Slice. The symbol of the swirl is what is like the symbol for pedophilia. Because they put they put the swirly sauce on the pizza. I know, but I'm not saying I'm. We're not talking about pizza, people. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, yeah, hold on, Chris. Finish your story, please. That's it. That's all I said. That's that's just, like, that was a symbol that, but that's that's known for pedophilia. So they were saying that like. They were basically hiding it in plain sight, saying like, oh, look at the squirrel and the triangle. This is a sign for pedophilia. This is where they go to have sex with little children. I got to look this up. Yeah. I got yeah. like, you know, I, 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 I to say, I, 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 Chris's story I, and you guys kept interrupting him. So, okay. <laughs> I, but I, I've often said that uh, that the only way that uh, the Domino's pizza is better is when there's a small child involved. And that's how <laughs> <so, laughs> it's Okay. Amazing. Well, I want, I want to talk about Pizzagate and how the story came out. So the story... The story first got national attention through a Los Angeles-based alleged news site called Your News Wire. The site has since been criticized for publishing Russian propaganda and changed its name to News Punch in order to continue to spread their disinformation. In 2017, BuzzFeed claimed that the site was the second largest spreader of false information on Facebook that year. All of their other stories have a far-right pro-Trump angle. So a year later, when Q appeared, many in the conspiracy community assumed that he or she had been the person who uncovered the sex ring. 
Does anyone know what the name Q Clearance Patriot is based on? I know we, we just we kind just of talked. About, I, I yeah. know we just kind of talked about that. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, so while we're here, can anyone tell me? Um, they also talk about the deep state. I mean, we keep hearing that a lot more. Um, even Donald Trump himself has talked about the deep state. Can anybody tell me what that means or what they refer to when they say deep state, Pete? Well, it's actually, again, when I was looking at some of the information this morning, the term deep state actually originated sometime in the early 1990s um, when the Turkish government used to use drug traffickers to help them fight the Kurdish um, in their country. And so those fighters were considered deep state fighters for them. But it was never really like a, a term that was very popular in the United States until Trump um, started running for office because his, his whole platform was that he was going to drain the swamp. And so, so somewhere, somewhere along the line, somebody within his campaign had pushed the idea that the, the swamp was actually the deep state. And the deep state is a, is a group of people, uh, again, mostly uh, career, career Democrats, a lot of them that are, that are kind of doing this shadow government um, where they're running things from behind the scenes. And the way they do it is they have allies in like the military um, and in all the different branches of government that are working with them. So no matter what, um, whoever the current president is, they actually are, are the ones behind the government. But it's, it's, it's such a deep, deep, deeply disturbing um, Thing because you have people like, again, the Clintons, you have Obama is one of them, um, the Rothschild family, um, who are also part of the pedophile ring, uh, just in case anybody know, didn't know that. Um, and so, so it's like, it's like this whole big group of people that are, that are actually running the government, which you could tell they must be doing because look at how well the government's done for the last four, almost four years now. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's, that's where deep state came from. Joe, I mean, uh, uh, I really think that these guys better watch it because now that Marvel's owned by Disney, they're going to get sued because this basically sounds like Hydra, which was around, well, that was written many, many years ago. I think they just stole that whole bit. So, uh, uh, you know, you're getting a call from Disney's lawyer soon. Well, actually, technically, technically, Disney stole that from Germany because that's been like the longest running conspiracy theory that like once we started bringing over German scientists Wait. to America. They've been trying to slowly take over us from the inside out. So, really, is that true? That sounds I really deep. Lawyers, we can we can sue. That's true. That's <laughs> real true. That's true. That's real true. That's been like uh, Operation Paperclip. That's been like the theories from the, from since World War II. Okay. Okay. So let's get back to Q. From what investigators have surmised, the first Q post may have also been the only actual post by that person. After it was retweeted multiple times, groups of Twitter users co-opted it in order to claim to be Q and sell merchandise under that name. There is also speculation that the original post was from a software company that was creating an alternate reality game called Cicada 3301. There is also a theory that the whole persona of Q is based on an Italian left-wing activist group in the 1990s who created elaborate pranks that were perpetrated on the European media, including claiming to give away the ending to the final Harry Potter novel, Harry Potter and the Deadly Hollow weeks prior to its publication. I'm sorry, I'm trying to keep a straight face. This group also used the fake name Luther Blissett and even wrote a novel called Q. QAnon gained more momentum within the community of Donald Trump supporters, 
who saw Trump's claim to drain the swamp in 2016 as a thinly veiled admission to either being Q or working with Q. QAnon is a community of people that follow Q and claim to be ready for the upcoming civil war that Q has been promising for several years now. Interestingly, if you go on Twitter and put the hashtag WWG1WGA, you can see any amount of craziness imaginable. The term is an acronym for where we go one, we go all, promoting the idea that they are an army. Interestingly enough, as we get closer to the November elections, QAnon posts and follower posts have grown more concerned about the deep state, like we were just talking about, rigging the election against Donald Trump and offering direction on how to combat it so that the country does not slip into full-scale civil war after the Democratic coup. That brings us to this week's primary election in Georgia. Does anyone know the significance of it? Uh, Emma. Uh, we mentioned her earlier, a woman who is uh, a rabid QAnon supporter, uh, Islamophobe, anti-Semitic, etc. Won the Republican primary in Georgia, and it's like a deep red area too. So she will probably win the uh, general election for the House seat. Exactly, and Trump congratulated her on Twitter as well. We so, actually um, have uh, called her a real star. Mm -hmm. We have one of her videos of her talking about about Q QAnon. I'm just going to pull it on really quick. Yeah, Q is a patriot. He is someone that is very much loves his country, and he's on the same page as us, and he is very pro-Trump, okay? Q is, Q is a patriot. He is someone that is very much loves his country, and he's okay. on the same page as us, and he is very pro-Trump, okay? Q is a patriot. He is someone that is very much nope, loves his country, and he's well, on the same page as us, and he is very pro-Trump, okay? Q is a patriot. He is someone that is very much loves his country. Okay. Okay. So speaking of her, this is something even other Republicans are afraid to get behind, as Greed has made dozens of incendiary racist comments, along with her proclaiming her loyalty to Q. Um, do, do you want to talk about some of the other things that she said? Pete, I know we watched videos of her today while we were doing research. Well, I, I mean, she's, she's an anti-Semite. Um, she she uh, has this, uh, this obsession, like so many of these other far-right people, about uh, George Soros, that George Soros, who, for anybody who doesn't know who he is, he's a billionaire that, um, that was a Holocaust survivor uh, from World War II who gives to a lot of liberal causes. And at some point, while the, while, um, I don't know if it, if it came, went as far back as, uh, as when um, the first Clinton, well, the only Clinton presidency, but um, he was a big donor to the Clintons. Um, and somewhere along the line, they said that he actually was a Nazi sympathizer who used to turn in other Jews um, to the Nazis, which is just patently untrue. Uh, but he's become like this boogeyman for, for the far right because he gives so much money to, to liberal causes. But she also was a, a Muslimophobe. So she she uh, she actually, when Ilan Omar uh, was being sworn in for um, uh, you know for her spot in, in Congress, um, she said that uh, that nobody should be allowed to uh, use the Quran um, to be sworn in. That they had to use the Bible. Um, she's I mean she's like literally just fucking nuts. 
Um, again, I, I've got another clip of her. This was, um, you guys won't hear it, but uh, the people at home will. Um, this is from her speaking just the other night um, after she won. I just want to say to Nancy Pelosi, she's a hypocrite. She's an anti-American. And we're going to kick that bitch out of Congress. Okay, so uh, in the clip, she she uh, she said that she can't wait to get to Washington so she she can uh, get rid of that bitch Nancy Pelosi. Um, so you know, she I mean, she's she's if you if you look um, at some of her campaign ads, there's a ton of them with her holding assault rifles. Um, but the other thing is that she's just put a, a dozen or so posts up about uh, about her relationship with QAnon, about how Q's a patriot and how um, he's he's working with with Donald Trump to get rid of all the deep state people. It just goes on and on. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much who she is. See, and to me, you know, when I was you know looking all the stuff up about her, you know, I asked myself, and again, people that always ask me, Veronica, why do you hate Trump so much? Why are you so anti-Trump? This man called someone like her a real star, but then he goes and he attacks, you know, strong, intelligent women by calling them nasty, by saying other things. So, I mean, to me, it concerns me that someone like her now is going to have a place in government. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, it, it really concerns me and it makes me very, very angry just thinking about that. Joe. Um, I'd be interested because, I mean, if she really is a true believer um, that she's going to go and try and weed this stuff out, then someone's going to be like, all right, it's not really real. And then what's she going to do? Like, is she either going to play along or is she going to be like, holy shit, it's not really real. Like, like, like I, I, I want to see, like, I would wish I could see that moment. Like, I wish there could be a camera in the mm-hmm. office where they're like, guys, this really doesn't exist, but, you know, just play along with it. It's like, what? That's what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Meg? <laughs> I just think it's terrifying because, like, yeah, Joe, even if that were to come about, people like this are going to always find a way to <clears throat> to say that whatever comes out is not proof. It's fake news. You know, it's, it's, it's a bias. And so it's scary because... The fact that she's going to be a, a could be a, a part of the government is just it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Stewart. Yeah, I mean, it's like like what Meg said. It, it is it's absolutely scary. And what's even scarier to me is that, I mean, she's still a member of the Republican Party. If they had any semblance of credibility, they'd kick her out of the party for just being that insane. You know, and now that you brought think, that up. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry, I have something to say after that. I yeah. mean, that's that's similar to you know they had the, the Peter King in Iowa that you know obviously he wasn't Peter King's from New York. He's actually not a racist. It's just no. What, 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 who's who's the other guy? Who's the, 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 Steve, the racist Steve guy? King. Steve, Steve King. Whatever the fucking King guy. Yeah. Well, that guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ex- well, there's whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know who I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a similar thing with with that. It, it, it the they need to to really hold members of their own party accountable, and they don't. Mm-hmm. So speaking of what you were saying right now, you know, I was watching another um, political analyst that was saying that the reason why most Republicans don't come out against this group is because they overlap the, the supporters. So the Trump supporters and the, the QAnon people. And if you look at Trump rallies, you'll see a couple of people holding those QAnon signs, too. So to me, that's very telling. I mean, it's not just me making this stuff up. Or saying, oh, and I'm not saying that all Trump supporters are QAnon people either. I, I didn't say that. But again, they say that there's a large majority of them that 
that the, both um, groups, you know, they, they overlap. So they believe they believe in that too. Emma. Well, you, you know what's oh, sorry, okay, Emma. Sorry. Emma, and then you can jump in, Pete. So I, I think we're looking at things that kind of like at, we're snowballing, we're snowball affecting it a little bit. Uh, the one person in government is upsetting and weirdly ironic. Like if there's a deep state, then what, like, is that really the most effective way to get him out? Anywho, my problems with her logic aside, um, the one person does not scare me so much because ultimately a single representative can't do a ton. Like she has to work with other people and that's a fabulous way to alienate absolutely everyone. Um, it is frustrating that she got there. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing that that scares me more is the fact that Trump is on board with her, that Trump is retweeting her and saying that she's a rising star. And the fact that the GOP refuses to hold her accountable or other uh, extreme fringe members of the party who are saying harmful things um, is, if they lose in the fall, gonna be one of the reasons <laughs> that the GOP is gonna have a very difficult time continuing or reinventing themselves. Of course, if they win in the fall, then that's a, very strong indication that there won't be an election after that or whatever. But, uh, you know, it, so long as they lose, uh, they're gonna have a hard time walking that back. Yeah, and what you were saying too about, you know, Trump associating himself with this group of people, mm -hmm. um, there's also a study that says that he's tweeted at least 70 times about any related, anything related to QAnon. So that's a lot. <laughs> It's not like, okay, maybe he tweeted once or twice about this. No, it's at least 70 tweets have to do with, you know, in any capacity with QAnon, so. The thing that confuses me is that he's the president of the United States. If there yeah. was shadow government, wouldn't he know? Mm -hmm. like, and if he was working with QAnon, know. if he was working with QAnon, why would he be like retweeting this stuff? Wouldn't yeah, he be it, like, Shh, we're working on this, you know? That's mm -hmm. the, that's the other thing. It's like it's like he's also like, oh, I wonder what's happening. Dude, you're the president. Go to the Department of no Energy. Go to everyone that's got a Q that's got a Q pass and go. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> How hard is that? <laughs> but what's really like scary about the whole thing though is is that he doesn't seem to have an issue with the idea that that he's inciting people that are obviously mentally ill. I, I mean because. Because the people that, that are behind this, I, I mean, if you spend even like five minutes looking at the tweets that are out there, like like I'm bringing up one on the screen right now. Um, somebody tweeted this image that's on the screen now of an AR-15, and they said, the solution to pedophilia, $1.65 per pill, and it's all over and done with. This will not happen under my watch. Now, that's, that's just one. Obviously, you know, I'm not a fan of pedophiles, um, but... You know, the idea that, that, that we're going to now shoot them with an AR-15 um, kind of goes to, you know, where they're at. And, and the thing is, Trump has to be looking at the tea leaves to a certain extent and understanding that he's, that he's very possibly going to lose. But he set himself up to a point now where there are some very dangerous people that, that might actually, you know, want to uh, want to start that civil war that, that, that he's talking about. I mean, I'm bringing another another crazy one up on the screen really quick. This the one that's up there now, because I know you guys can't see it. Um, somebody tweeted out, uh, put on, on Twitter today. Soon you will hear about certain high, pro high, high profile people, celebrities, politicians, executives, elite billionaires having coronavirus. Here are some code words to look out for. Self-quarantined, self-quarantined coronavirus exposure, tested negative for coronavirus, 
tested positive for coronavirus. Pay very close attention for these code words in the media. Now, I don't know what the fuck that has to do with with, with the media. I, I mean, it, when people get coronavirus, they self-quarantine for the most part. But it, it's not, they're actually using this as an excuse not to, you know, once again, it's another one of those groups that's that's probably not, you know, um, very fond of masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead, Joe, and then uh, Stuart. Stuart was ahead of me, so let's Stuart get uh, his Stuart. idea out first. Well, I just want to disagree with something Peter said, that it's it's a mental illness. Uh, it's not. The, uh, I mean, some of the QAnon people, I'm sure, are mentally ill, but it's it's not a predisposed disease that's has genetic uh, uh, origins. It's just people who believe this crazy shit and are radicalized um, in the way many other people are radicalized. But it's not it's not like you know depression or schizophrenia or something like that. It's just fucking dumb. It's it's just crazy people who. It's not a medical thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. here's a thing that I'd like to know, and this because this goes prior to the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing. Um, how does pedophilia get all wound up in this? Is it because pedophilia is something that we can all agree on is bad? Is Probably that, why, that that's kind of yeah. kind of the glue to mm-hmm. it because it just seems to be like every single thing has to deal with pedophilia, and it's just like when Jeffrey Epstein, which was a coincidence, happened everything kind of blew up even more. I have, I have never heard that word as much as I've had, if I've heard it the last four years. Um, and it just seems crazy because I, I mean, the reality of pedophilia is that it's, 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 it's not happening the way everyone is saying it's happening. And, and I don't think that there's giant underground billionaire clubs. Uh, uh, that, you know, this isn't ancient Rome. So I, I don't get it. And, and, and it's, it, it really, really just bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to what Stuart was saying about the mental illness and the discussion that him and Pete were having, um, I also watched something today from a psychologist, and she was saying that a lot of these QAnon people from her observations and her expertise are people that feel that they've just kind of like they're just lost in the system. So they need to find somewhere <laughs> to fit in, or they need to justify um, you know, why they are where they are in their life. And she did say that it was, you know, it was tied to that. So I found that actually very interesting, what she said about that. Um, Meg, did you want to say something? Yeah, I just wanted to add that it's, you know, I think it's simply that it's like what Joe said, it's something that no one is for as far as, and everyone is absolutely against with pedophilia. So it's like, let's take all the liberals that, you know, that, that we as the people know, so celebrities, athletes, politicians, but, but make sure they're all the liberal side and just throw in the word pedophilia every chance we get. So it's like, like an association thing. But, you know, I, um, I, I think, too, it is like what Stuart says. I think it is more of a stupidity issue, but I think it is also people, uh, they're sheep. They've, they've found this, this, this leader and they just want to follow him to the ends of the earth and they don't even know why. I mean, you see those videos of like the comedians interviewing the Trump supporters in line and it's, it's so comic gold. You couldn't even write that shit. And they don't even know like that they're, what they're saying is either, you know, incorrect or just way off base or it's 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 scary. It's really scary. You know, I, I think it also could be something completely other, you know, 
something else that's very nefarious in a sense, because I don't know if anybody else saw this, but about two hours ago um, in his pre press briefing, um, Trump promoted a new birther th uh, theory against Kamala Harris um, because a quote unquote um, very well-respected lawyer um, um, wrote an article this morning saying that she wasn't born in the country and because of that she wasn't qualified to be to be the vice president. And then a member of his of Trump's legal staff retweeted it. Um, and and so he was asked about it tonight. And instead of saying, of course, she was born in the country, he said, yeah, I heard that. And the guy who said it was very well respected. So so, you know, and I would have thought that the, that the Democrats would have actually um, would have actually vetted her first for this. But I guess they didn't. And so, you know, it's almost like if you're in for a, for a penny, you're in for a pound because you 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 know if if one conspiracy theory um, is is sustainable through the QAnon thing, then another one like a new birther um, one could be sustainable for the election. So now maybe he's going to use this to to sow the seeds of dissent against Kamala Harris because clearly he knows that she's she's a good factor for Biden. I mean, I mean, no, can he can he get a new writer? Uh, he used Nasty Woman four years ago. He used the whole new birther thing on Obama. Uh, get a new set of writers. I, I don't think it's that hard. I mean, I mean, I won't do it, but I, I know a couple people that probably will stoop that low because these are all old jokes. We've heard them over and over again, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so um, we're going to move on. In the wake of Joe Biden's historic pick of Kamala Harris to be his 2020 running mate, we thought we might want to get the perspective of someone who has fought for civil rights since the 1960s, alongside people like Reverend Jesse Jackson. And I think we're waiting for um, Hermine to come on, Pete. Okay, sorry, I'm going to go back. <laughs> we lost her for a second. Okay, um, so I guess this is my final question back to QAnon. So if Joe Biden wins, do you guys think we're going to see this QAnon disappear, or are they going to become more aggressive? What are your thoughts on that? What do you guys think about that? Uh, Stuart? No, I mean, if he wins, they're just going to say that he cheated and like spout a bunch of other bullshit conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't care about the truth or what actually happens. They just want to believe some crazy shit so they can feel good about themselves Okay. I'm sorry, Emma, but I think her means back. So I want to do an introduction for her. Um, and she's gone again. Go ahead, Emma. Okay. So uh, it reminds me of a quote from The American President, which granted is like a very liberal film, but uh, there's a point where they're talking about leadership and what people need in terms of it. And the long and short of the quote is that people are desperate for leadership always. Mm -hmm. If we're not going to get it from our commander in chief, which we clearly have not been, then people are going to find it elsewhere. Like Meg said, they've, they've lost and they found themselves in this umbrella theory. Um, I don't think the current QAnon believers are going to go anywhere, but I would like to think idealistically there might not be new ones. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I guess uh, we have Hermine now. Hi. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So I had good. an introduction for you. Do you mind if I do it right now since you're on screen now? Not at all. <laughs> okay, so in the wake of Joe Biden's historic pick of Kamala Harris to be his 2020 running mate, we thought we might want to get the perspective of someone who has fought for civil rights since the 1960s, alongside with people like Reverend Jesse Jackson. 
She was a professor of behavioral science and the first woman to be vice chancellor of the city colleges of Chicago, the nation's second largest community college system. Since 1989, she has been the publisher of Indigo, a MAGA paper that discusses important issues in the African-American community. She's also the host of the Indigo podcast. Please welcome Hermine Hartman. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. So just by reading your bio, um, it's incredibly inspiring. Would you please mind sharing? Uh, would you mind sharing, I should say, some of your accomplishments with us? What some of the things we've done? Yes. What? Yes. Oh, so um, I was an academician at City Colleges of Chicago in Behavior Sciences, as you've indicated. Mm-hmm. And then in 1989, uh, I left the college and I started a newspaper called Indigo. I was sick and tired of the negative news about uh, black folks in Chicago. And I thought the major papers were kind of missing uh, really half of the city. And um, I thought I could do something about that. And so I started a newspaper with some friends who were journalists and graphic artists and photographers and editors. And we just got together and it was like, come on, let's, uh, let's do a paper. And so we started uh, Indigo, and we really kind of changed the face of um, newspapers in the city with the look. We did, we were, we, I called it a MAGA paper, which is a magazine uh, on newsprint. So that kind of kept costs down, but it still gave the effect that we wanted. But we wanted to talk about some new news and tell stories untold, mistold, and that needed to be retold about African-Americans. And it was for everybody. The paper went throughout the city and it caught on like wildfire and uh, it was impactful and we became a voice. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So before we go any further, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? About the podcast. So we did, uh, as you all know, uh, print media is uh, having a, a time of it right now uh, with ads declining and just changing, just the changing world that we live in. So last year we started a um, television program called Indigo Studio. And when we got through with our 12 episodes of the program, you know, we still had great content. It was kind of universal. It didn't have, it wasn't date specific, so it wasn't old. And so uh, uh, my friend, Joy Mitchell, uh, she kept telling me, you got to do a podcast, you got to do a podcast. So we took the TV shows, actually, and, and she turned them into podcasts. And there we are. And we just love it. Podcasts are so much fun because you can do so much with them. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so on Tuesday, um, Kamala Harris broke the glass ceiling by becoming the first woman of color to be on the ticket for the second highest office in our country, the oh. vice presidency. Can you give us a little perspective in how you see her being chosen? How she was chosen by, by Biden? Yes. Well, she's, she's uh, eminently, I think, qualified, uh, comes, you know, from the Senate. And as we look back at presidents and vice presidents, they, that's where they come from. They come from the Senate. Uh, She's been a prosecuting attorney, attorney, attorney. How about that? Attorney. Mm -hmm. She's very articulate. And uh, she's a fighter. And I think she's at the right place at the right time and the perfect person for us at this time. And I think she'll just be a dynamo. 
And I agree with you 100% on that. We should be a dynamo. So since also the murder of George Floyd, and um, there's been a rise of the Black Lives Matter movement um, to a larger audience. As someone like yourself who spent her life on the front lines of civil rights and social justice, can you tell us how this compares to what you went through in the 60s? In the civil rights movement? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the movement is somewhat different. Uh, in the uh, civil rights movement of the King era, the fight was for justice and for equality and for integration. Uh, the fight is a little different now. Uh, there was a policy fight. The pol we were trying to change the laws. We were trying to get into the, uh, the realm of politics, trying to get into the network of politics, trying to vote, trying to get basic civil rights uh, that had been denied or uh, maybe not denied outright, but overtly not in progress, such as voting, such as um, uh, going to school. Uh, the, so I think the civil rights movement took integration, forced integration and killed Jim Crow laws and killed some of the segregated ways in which we live. This movement, of Black Lives Matter, I think is a little different. It's not the fight for civil rights, it's the fight for equity. It's mm -hmm. the fight for equity and uh, for the sins, they call slavery the, uh, the original sin. So I think the fight now is for the sins of slavery and for the not, I won't say the first time, because I don't think it's the first time, but you see widespread whites embracing the inequalities and the inequities, and I think trying to correct. The civil rights movement indeed had full participation uh, from various ethnicities, and there were whites, of course, involved in the civil rights movement, but I think we're seeing something different now. It seems to be more widespread. I don't know if it's guilt, I don't know if it's recognition that change is really needed uh, at a very overt level, but there's something that's different now. Uh, civil rights movement fought for something, uh, and I think now we are fighting against something. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does anybody have any questions on the panel? Let's start with you, Peter. Thank you so much for, for, hi, how are you? Oh, Thank you so much for doing this tonight with us. Uh, really is special for us. I, I'm, I'm wondering because right after Kamala Harris was, was chosen, I heard a lot of um, journalists say that it was a safe choice. And, and I was wondering, you know, considering where we are in our, in, in our history, if it's if it if it's a good thing or a bad thing that 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 you know a woman of color being the the second high and offered the second highest position in our country would be considered the safe choice. So I'm just wondering what you would say to that. Well, she is a safe choice, but she's a good choice. She's a good safe choice. Every every the only president that I think we've had in the White House that was not a safe choice is the one that's in there now, and that's Trump. Yep. So. Uh, you're damn right we need a safe choice now. We don't need anybody wild and crazy in there after this, after we, if we get him out. So uh, she is a safe choice, but she's also a good choice. 
Mm-hmm. So she's well, a safe, you, good, pretty choice. How about do that? You, <laughs> do you feel like we've we've come a long way by by considering her to be a safe choice? Is I think was more what I what I meant by that. I, I mean because you you would I think even a generation ago that would not I mean a a woman being on the ticket was was almost unheard of except for of course Geraldine Ferraro. And then Sarah Palin, although I don't, that's a whole other story. She, she, um, she helped blow it. Palin yeah. helped blow it. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I just wanted to understand. I, I mean, it, it, it feels like it's a good thing that people feel that she was the, the safe choice, I guess. And at least that's what I'm trying to say, I think. But I think when you get at that level in national politics, that's what you want. I mean, you want somebody that everybody can embrace and feel comfortable with and um, think that they will do a good job for all of us. And I think, I think that's important now is I think we're looking for somebody who can, who will represent uh, the whole of the country and not a sector of the country. I think that's important. And I think you get that with her. Mm -hmm. Mm Joe. You know, Black Lives Matter, I think was, was interesting because we saw marches and protests and all that from pretty much every single state in the union places where you would never have thought to see it, like in Iowa or Idaho, or, you know, they were marching in Hawaii. Um, but I seen some change in local and state level, but it just seems to me that the federal government kind of embraced it with just apathy. We saw a couple of symbolic things, but nothing really major to change it. Like they just really didn't seem to move it. Do you, what, what are your thoughts on that? And what do you think we would need to do to kind of move it along in a federal level? I think you're looking at systemic racism, institutional racism. I think those are the issues that uh, Black Lives Matter. And I think the first thing that we have to do is get a president at the federal level that is going to represent the whole of the country. Somebody that's going to represent all of us at every level. We can't be talking about tampering with the post office. We can't be talking about uh, don't wear the mask. We can't, and we got a pandemic going on. We can't be talking about open up the schools and the, and, 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 and the kids and the teachers uh, threatened uh, illness, if not death. Uh, so, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. This movement is somewhat different. Uh, it's not symbolic. I think this movement is very real uh, to the realities of the way black people live or black people have been treated in this country, such as. Uh, and, and, and some of the things are being, we're being confronted with, but then some of the things we're not talking about. Example, black men are threatened by white policemen. I don't care what the station of life is, what the education of life is, what the demographics of life is, but young black men are threatened on the streets of America by white policemen. Now, why is that? And they have the liberty or think they have the liberty, white policemen, that they can shoot, they can kill, or that they can uh, interrogate uh, white, black men at, at, at their leisure uh, without process and without consequence. That has to change, that has to stop. Uh, that's just, it's just nonsense at this point. And it, and it has to stop. And I think you're seeing rebellion uh, in, in, in communities not just the black community, but young white youth who understand this problem too, they are rebelling too. Thus you have a movement. Okay, does anybody else, oh, Chris. 
Hello, how are you? He's there. Um, I, 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 I guess this is kind of a, a maybe a complex question, but um, you know, the, the a lot of people are saying like some of the things that you you guys fought for during the civil rights movement and and what's going on today are are, are kind of similar. Do you see uh, the process taking at like excuse me the process of change to take the same amount of time or longer with the things that are happening today in compared to the thing how hard you guys fought uh, back back in the sixties? Uh, Two things. That's a good question. Two things. Number one, and here's the difference: the era of John Lewis and King fought for the right to vote, and the people who were with King went into politics and in, there was involvement in the political process from voting to running for office. The Andy Youngs, the John Lewis's, the Jesse Jackson's, so on and so forth. And you can, there's a clear path, a clear pattern there. The Black Lives Matter say they are not political and that they do not vote. That's wrong. That's a problem because you've got to have the power in order to institute the laws, in order to make the change that you want. Change is a process. Change doesn't happen. Now that's the, that's the academic intellectual take. Yeah. Now let me give you another take. And that take is in America, our reality is as much as we say it's wrong, and it is wrong, change happens when violence comes. When there is violence, the change comes, i.e. civil war. Go back as far as you want. Austin Tea Party, civil war. You, you, can, you, can, you can go back as far as you want, but with violence, change comes. So it's just kind of, how do you want to, you know, how do you want to look at change? Do you want to go through the process of it, through the, uh, through the, through, through the vote and through the political process, or should we head to the streets and change it that way? Pick one. All right. Stuart. You agree, you agree with me? Yeah, oh, absolutely. 100%. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. okay. Stuart? Yeah, uh, I, so I'm curious, have you ever considered running for office or have you? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. That's, you know, the last, I went on television after these riots that we had in Chicago last Sunday. And after I got through with what I said on Fox, I was trying to say we needed the National Guard to come in because the city was wild. This was, man, this was a wild place, okay? And I got about 10 calls to say, uh, we need to run you for office. And I was like, no, no, no. I don't want to run for office. I want to get it right. Now, here's where I am in my political endeavors. I've worked behind the scenes. I've done the press, put campaigns together, done fundraising, da-da-da-da-da. And I can give you a whole series of, people, to include Barack Obama, all right? Say this, look like this, all of the media stuff. And I love doing it. I would be a great campaigner because I like to talk and present the issues and do the dialogue and meet and greet people. I like that. And I would be a great campaigner. I would be a horrible elected official 
Why? They're too slow. They got to go through the process. They got to go through the boat. I'm a business person. And what that means for me as a business person, number one, and as a media business person, number two, that means quick. That means meet the deadline. That means go for it. That means let's do it. That means let's get our team together and let's process it. And don't tell me it's going to take a year to do it. We don't have a year. We got a month. We got to meet this deadline. We got this podcast tonight. We got to get it on and we got to go. I would not be a good elected official in terms of sitting and conducting. Now, that's the bad news. Now, when I told that to people the other day, they said, but that's why you could be in because you would change it. And you're right. I would change it because it would be you all got 30 days to do whatever, and then we got to move on to something else. So I think I would not be good. I'm probably too candid. Uh, Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. But that's my thoughts on me uh, being in the political process of it. I don't know if my personality dynamic. And then I'm a private person. When I quit I want to go home. I want to kick back. I want to meet with my friends, might have a little cognac, and I want to be through with it. Uh, I don't know if you have that liberty with politics. You call me and tell me your light was broken. I would be like, well, hey, call the electrician. I don't want to hear it tonight. We'll talk about it in the morning. I don't know if you can have those kind of attitudes uh, as an elected official. But I would shake it up now. That I would do. Carmine, I have, a, I have a question for you. It's more of a personal question, I should say. So okay. I'm a first-generation Mexican-American. Mm. And for me, it's very important uh, with this election coming up, there's a lot at stake for a lot of groups of people in our country. And it's so hard for me to try to get, especially Latinos that I know, motivated to vote, to go out and vote. What advice can you give to people like myself and others that have a hard time trying to get people to, you know, to vote, because at least for me personally, this is the most important election of my lifetime, that we need change, change needs to happen. I think this election is probably one of the most important Mm -hmm. elections in the history of America. Uh, Definitely in our lifetimes. I think you have to say to people, if you want change, you have to bring it about. And in America, it comes about through the political process. That's number one. I think you then have to break it down categorically. This election will be historic because of uh, Kamala Harris. We have the opportunity of electing a woman to one of the highest um, office in the land. And three, the way Trump has botched up immigration laws and the whole say-so of immigration is almost sinful. It is, he has dehumanized. He has split families up. He has insulted, um, insulted people. That alone says vote. It's like, it's like back in the civil rights movement, you beat John Lewis on the head crossing the bridge. If that doesn't give you reason to vote for Latina Americans, Latino Americans, if the immigration laws, if that doesn't give you rise to vote, then what are you talking about? How does the change come about? 
We talk change, but you got to bring change. You make change happen. Change doesn't happen because we, 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 we sit on our hinds or we pray about it. You got to make it happen. And you make it happen with force. You make it happen with power. You make it happen with numbers. And the more, the better. And I think we have to all unite and look at the realities. Look at this pandemic. Look at who it's affecting the most. It is affecting poor people. It is affecting African-Americans. It is affecting Latino Americans more than it is anyone. And so I think we have to see that. You were looking at discrepancies. We're looking at inequities uh, across the board. That's what has come out of some of these uh, problems that we're having now. And if not now, God bless you. When? When will it be? But you, you, you gotta, you gotta make people vote. I mean, that's what I'm saying to the Black Lives Matter people. Mm-hmm. You're talking about you go out here and raise all this hell, and then when it's time to go to the polls, you say absent. What are you talking about? Right. Yeah. And that makes sense. It, the, the two don't go together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like oh, I want to. You know, I really want to get pregnant, right? I really want to have a baby, right? But I don't want to get pregnant. <laughs> don't, go, don't go like that. Yeah. There. Um, does anybody have a final question for Hermine and Peter? I wanted to ask, I, I mean, we're all hearing all the stories about um, how Trump operatives are using Kanye West to try and get oh. him uh, on the ballot. Oh. I'm sorry if I'm bringing up a terrible subject, oh. uh, but they're using him to try and get him on the ballot in, in several states because they think that that'll peel off some of the black vote for Biden. And and I, I have a whole different take on it. I, I don't think, I think black voters are way too smart for that. But what I'm concerned more about is some of our far left liberal friends who, uh, you know, Biden and Kamala Harris aren't aren't left enough for them, and they might be the kind of people that would that just as a protest vote would give it to somebody like Kanye. How do you how do you talk to somebody like that? Really, <laughs> it's it's just it's such a it's such a crazy crazy problem, but it just it, but it, it you know, you see it more and more when you. Uh, when you see some of the some of the comments people make online, I, I mean, again, you know, two days ago when when uh, when they announced Kamala Harris, I, I thought for sure that all liberal friends of mine that would that that, uh, that were out there would be thrilled. But I saw comments from people said, "Oh, Joe Biden lost the election today because Kamala Harris wasn't left enough for them," uh, and and it's, so it's just. I, I mean, oh, it seems lost. like you're arguing with, with stupidity, but I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that's exactly right. Anybody voting for Kanye West is crazy. I mean, but you're right. I mean, could happen, might happen. Do you all, have you all ever heard of a movie called Putney Swope? Yes. You heard yes. Of, you know Putney Swope? Yes, love so it. So <laughs> the, the gist of the movie is um, uh, the company is going through some changes and they're looking for a president. And so they have this board meeting, right? And Putney Swope is the black guy. What wasn't he the uh was he a janitor or something? Uh, something like that. I think he, he was like in like one of the lower janitor. levels, yeah. Right, he was a low level guy, but he was the only black guy in running uh for the president of the company. And he didn't care whether he got it or not. He you know, it was just like give me a name and they took his name. So when they had the vote, 
everybody felt sorry for him because they said, well, you know, this Putney Swope guy, he's not going to get any votes. So I'll vote for him. Then the next person said, oh, that Putney Swope guy, you know, he's a low level guy and nobody's going to vote for him. Then the next guy says, oh, that Putney Swope guy, he's a dumb guy. Nobody's going to vote for him. So I'll vote for him. Well, guess what happened? They all voted for Putney Swope for the various reasons that Putney Swope becomes the president of the company. That's kind of how I think of Kanye. I mean, I think it's a joke. I think it's a trick. But let's let's talk about that. It's probably, it might be marketing, wise marketing. Trump is a very smart marketer. You got to give him that. He's a good marketer. So if you think the Black Lives Matter, the black kids in the street will attract to Kanye enough to pull from the election, maybe so, maybe not. I don't think black folks, white folks for that matter, I don't think people would waste their vote intelligently on Kanye West. That's that's what my academic logic says to me. But there's another part of me that says pop culture, popular, by demand, maybe they will vote for him. Uh, I hope America is not that stupid. So do we all. I mean, that's what I really, that's what I really think. It's scary to think about that, too, because, I mean, there's been a few celebrities who've already spoke out who endorse Kanye, which is, again, pop culture influencing people. So it's it's interesting to think about that. It is. And it's scary. Mm-hmm. See, I, I, I would take it a step further. Uh, in America, there are only two qualifications to run for president of the United States. You have to be an American native born citizen, naturalized citizen and you have to be 35 and older for an office as high, as powerful, as impactful. You should have more and better qualifications than that. What job can you go on because you were born and you are of a certain age to be a policeman, to be a fireman, to be a teacher, to be a bus driver, to you've got to have qualifications. So I think our government, our senators, our congressmen, those who make those laws, they need challenging on please let us have some quality in terms of who runs, who is capable, who is qualified for running for president of the United States. And I think maybe that might be the lesson that we get from the Trump uh, years, from the Trump administration. He hasn't shown his taxes. We know that there's maybe some conflicts of interest. They list, they look obvious, but maybe that should be one of the qualifications is that the president of the United States as a candidate has to show his tax returns so that we can see the dynamics of his, of his dollars. But I think those laws need to be challenged and changed. 
I mean, it's it's an insult to my intelligence that a Kanye West can even run for president. All you got to do is go get the petition signed and go get your name on the ballot and all of that. That's that's an insult to, to intelligence, really, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, yeah. so, I mean, let's hope for, for the best. There's a lot at stake this upcoming election. So. Do you think, yeah. let, me ask, let me ask you all something. Sure. Do you think there will be, I'm worried about the youth vote. I'm worried about the young vote. Do you think that young people will come out and vote? I'm not saying vote for, I'm saying vote, period. Do you think young people will come out to vote and why or why not? Um, I think people are. I think people are more... Uh more aware of what's going on because of social media. People have been seeing these things go around. I think that's why the movement was so big. I mean, we literally seen protests happen around the world. So that's that's one thing. But even in that, I also think that there will be young people who are out voting for the wrong reasons. Maybe it's to like, you know, be part of the club. Cause I even this last election, some of it's, I guess, you know, there are friends that I them that, you know, I never heard them speak about politics ever in their life, like not even in like passing. And then all of a sudden the election came around and they were posting the I voted sticker on their Instagram. So that's kind of what scares me right now about it being uh, uh, more popularized. But I, I think there's going to be a lot more young people voting. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to be doing it for the right reasons necessarily. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be like 80-20, give or take. 80-20 what? 80 percent. Going two in and vote. voting, doing uh, not to vote, but voting in the right direction or for an actual reason, whether it be Republican or Democrat. And then 20 is just going to be doing it so they can post up on their picture and, and seem woke and, and, you know, be a part of the crowd. Because, I mean, look at it. Like there were people out there who were literally going to protest just to have the picture. You know, they were like like people were getting dolled up and stuff like that. Just to have the picture with the sign probably was only out there for like 10 minutes and then got back in their car and drove away. You know what I mean? So if that's happening in the protest, people are definitely going to be doing that in the voting booth. And it's almost like a wasted vote. But hopefully, at least if they're doing it for the gram, they're voting in the right direction. Right. Let's hear from our two youngest panelists, Stuart and then Emma. Yeah, I, I I disagree with Chris. I don't think young people are going to come out more than usual. Um, I I mean, I wish they would, obviously, but I know you know particularly um, for a lot of young people, particularly in like California and and other uh, not swing states, people don't think their vote matters. And in the presidential election, realistically, it probably won't make a difference. Hmm. Um, the you know, the, I mean, the electoral college is 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 a rigged system, and I I think it really disillusions a lot of voters. I, I really think voter turnout would be higher if it was gone, and uh, I think particularly for my generation, th that's something that we never. I mean, that's we just don't get why it's still in in effect. I agree with you. I don't see why it's still there. It's it's antiquated. It's a part of uh, really slave laws. And uh, it needs to abolish so that he who gets the most numbers is he who wins. I mean, you know, look at it. If that was changed, Hillary Clinton would be president. She would have won. She won by three million votes. But she, but the Electoral College, you know, that's. But see, that's the kind of change that we need to be talking about. That kind of pressure needs to be put on our legislators to say just what you said. Why do we have it in the first place in 2020? 
It serves no purpose. The electoral college was so that slaves could not take over. That was the whole point. So maybe that's still the point, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Emma? Uh, I do agree with you about the electoral college, but I don't think the facts, um, I don't think the statistics support the idea that youth, the youth vote isn't gonna come out at all. Uh, okay. I think it will, Right. I think it depends how you look at it. Uh, the youth vote, like the, the the number of eligible young voters uh, who have actually come out has increased between 2018 and the primaries this year. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is such emphasis placed on the general election in the fall that I think that that's going to continue. Whether that continues after 2016, I'm not as sure. Um, I don't think that means that a majority of eligible youth voters are going to come out. But I do think that the number is going to increase from what it has been historically. Um, and I do disagree with you a little bit, Chris. I don't care why people vote. So long as like you generally know who you're voting for. Like if you go out there and guess, it, it's frustrating. But like as long as you know who you're voting for, do it for the gram. I don't care. Make your voice heard. Go for it. That's Whatever. right. But so vote. vote for the right yes. person. <laughs> Joe, final comment. If you would have asked me this question in January, I would have been a lot more hopeful. But after watching the Democratic primary, I'm not as hopeful that the youth vote will come out. Um, I think if the youth vote did come out, uh, we would actually be having a different candidate right now. That's my personal feeling on it. Um, and my other thing is that this is the presidential election, so more people come out. And I've always been a stickler about, because I go to all my elections, and like if I go next year uh, in November, no one will be there. And I'm always like, those are the people with the power. Uh, vote for your congressman, for your senator, for your, and I, I would say huge, huge, your local judges, because those are the people that become federal judges. Those are the people that become Supreme Court judges. And most people just swipe through it and don't even read who they are. And I'm like, that's where the power is. The president is a nice little figurehead, but in reality, the power is in Congress and it's in the Supreme Court. And I don't see anybody, not just the youth, I don't see anybody going out there. I walk in and there's, a, there's an old lady half sleeping at the, at the thing telling me to sign my name because there's nobody there. Um, and that to me is more disturbing than anything else. I would see people come every election day. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. And, and to your point about the judges, I think that's one of the things that needs to be communicated widely broadly to you the judge the local judge is the one who might sentence you to jail mm -hmm. is not the president is the local yokel judge mm -hmm. and you're right we don't even for the most part we don't know who they are uh we just you know blindly push the button and pull the lever and uh and 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 vote for them or don't vote for them either either way so that's a very good that's a very good point. So but so you think that we won't see such a youth vote? I don't think so. Ooh, we, I, I, I think you're wrong. I, I think we will. I don't think so. I oh yeah. oh come I, on. I, I think I think that because of the pandemic and because of 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 people spending so much time in front of television screens mm -hmm. and and so obviously watching what's happened over the last five months 
that it's made people that probably weren't that politically aware uh, back in February or January much more aware of the stakes now than they ever were before. And, and, and also the fact that a lot of states are going to have the ability to do mail-in ballots. There, there seems to be almost no excuse. I, I mean, I always joke that that if you want to make sure that the youth vote comes out, that they, you don't release a video game on the same day. Um, but but uh, I, I think, honestly, this year of all years, there's just been so much people been inundated with so much information about this election and about the people obviously involved in the election and also about the person that that uh, that, that at least from the liberal side that we're, that that everybody's running against, because. If anybody, nobody can blame Donald Trump for the pandemic, but they can blame him for everything that's happened since the beginning of the pandemic. And, and, and I can't imagine that there's, that there's even, there's, that, that you've got 22-year-old, 23-year-olds who are all out of work from that first job that they got out of college after, you know, after putting all the, those, uh, uh, those, 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 um, uh, like oh, I'm sorry, I'm babbling. Um, after after they took out all those student loans, and now they they got their first job, and now they're out of work because we've had such a, a bungled uh, response to this pandemic that there's not going to be a certain amount of of even if it's anger votes that are going to come out to do it. So I, I mean, I think the pandemic, other than the fact that I think it definitely helped Biden a lot, I, I think it's also going to help with the youth vote too. I think so. I, th I think maybe this year in particular, youth will look at how seriously they have been affected. So the pandemic in terms of, you know, health, your health care. But what about school? I mean, we've had politicians make decisions after your tuition has been paid that we're going to close the schools. It's not fair. It's not right. But there you are. That's a reason to vote. Let me ask a question. Um, do you take, do you learn, and I'm, I'm going back to grammar school, high school on up, but in a grammar school, high school, are you learning, are you taking courses in civics? Yes, not my school. I was going to say, you know, that's in that's not that's not widespread. When I was in school, you had to take civics. That was just part of curriculum. But when you got to eighth grade, you had to take a test before you went into high school, and civics was very much a part of it. Levels of government, executive levels of government, congressmen, senators, and da 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 da. I mean, you learn that if that's eliminated from from teaching in schools. Then I, because I, I didn't understand the, oh, I don't want to vote. I didn't understand that until I start kind of, you know, hanging with, hanging with these kids. And they say they don't get civics in school. So they don't see the relationships. They don't see the connect. They don't see the reason. So you say my vote doesn't matter. What on earth do you mean? Your vote doesn't matter. People died for you to have the right to vote. People got dogs biting them and, and they went to jail and they got beaten and they died for you to have the right to vote. That's too precious. You cannot allow that to be in vain. You just can't. Voting is, I mean, it is our democracy. It is what makes us different. It is what makes us uh, together. 
You've got to vote. You don't have the right not to vote. You don't have that right. You don't have that privilege. You just don't. And if you start talking about immigration, if you talk about this, and you know what the next big thing in this country is going to be in terms of health? Wait until the vaccine comes a year or two from now. Wait till it comes. That's number one. Number two, watch who gets the vaccine. Yeah. Who's going to get the vaccine? I got $1,000. I get the vaccine. Uh-huh. You, you don't have the $1,000. You don't get It'll be two or three years before the vaccine gets down to the everybody. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to be, it's going to be for the precious few. It's going to be, how much is the vaccine? Do I have a private doctor? What hospital do you go? Just watch. I'll give you three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Sadly, that's true. Well, you should tell, Veronica, you should tell your cohorts, one of the reasons to vote is so that you can get the vaccine. Guess who's going to be low man on the totem pole to get the vaccine shot? Guess. Mm-hmm. Guess who? Yeah. It'll be the immigrant. You're not an American citizen. You can't get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Just watch. Right. Watch what happens. And those will be political decisions. So I don't think we're understanding the political decisions that affect our lives. These politics affect us from the crib to the grave. Whoever would have thought that the politician would decide school open, school close. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Get to the hospital because of, of, uh, of the virus, not get to the hospital. Hospitals are too crowded. Who gets in? Who gets in? Who stays out? Who gets the ventilator? Who doesn't? Who gets treatment? Who does? Those have been political decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those have been political. I can go to the restaurant. I can't go to the restaurant. I can go to the bar. I can't go to it. In Chicago, our mayor closed our parks. Chicago celebrates and loves the lakefront. Boom, closed. Can't ride your bike. Can't go for a walk. Those are political decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this pandemic has shown just how powerful in daily living that the politicians have over our lives. I mean, can you believe we got a president of the United States saying, oh, don't pay attention. You don't have to wear a mask if you want. And the mask, we only got a couple of things that can help us with this pandemic. And that's where the mask and social distancing, anything else, everything else, they say it's going to kill you or, you know, threatens to kill you. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. It's amazing. But I mean, you got to, you people have got to understand what that, what that power means and what your vote means. You say your vote doesn't matter. It does matter. It's the most important thing that you can do living in a democracy. It is the one thing that equalizes us. One vote, one man. Not your money, not your education, not your neighborhood, not your education. But that vote matters. You got to vote. 
You don't have a choice not to vote. If I had my way, okay, so I'm a politician, right? I'm elected to somebody's office, right? So here's my law. You don't vote, you go to jail. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I vote for you. You got a week in jail. See, yeah. see, what, see what it feels like. Why? Because you didn't vote. That's why. Dang. You definitely have my vote, Hermine. So. You can vote for me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. well, I'll figure out what I'm going to run it for. We all are. Come yeah. in and, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get a campaign going. <laughs> there you go. Hermine, thank you so much for joining us. And hopefully we'll have you back after the election and we'll be having a much different conversation. <laughs> I hope. I hope. You got to hope. And we posted your information about your podcast on our Instagram as well. So if anybody wants to check it out. All right. Thank you. We really loved having you. All right. And it's so nice to meet you all and uh, keep up the good work and uh, let's let's get that vote out. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Have a good night, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. So that's our show for today. Join us tomorrow for another Trump-free Friday. We'll be talking with a Canadian financial advisor that helps people manage their money, especially during these rough times. So she'll have some advice to share with us. So we'll see you back here again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Yeah.